to White What's happening? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> What's happening, Michael Vincent? <laughs> I'm Dooner. This is What the Truck. Welcome to Monday, man. What what a good time. (laughs) We have something to kick us right off, though. So there's this gentleman on Twitter. His name is Nicholas Nicholas Lee, right? And he came across a semi-truck that had flipped over. We've got a video of this. Let's take a look at this in his rescue that he did on this truck. Whoa. So what you're seeing is this truck's on its side, right? And they're trying to get through the window. The rescuers are trying to get through there. And this guy, Nicholas Lee, he gets inside the truck, Michael Vincent. He, the car's on its side, so he climbs in through the passenger side door. So he's standing on the ground, and he's just punching his way out of this window like the Incredible Hulk. Amazing. Have you ever seen anything like that before? No. It's, I, I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was amazing. And you can hear his friends going, great stuff, Nick. Great stuff, Nick. <laughs> well, he looks like he's done this before, right? Because he's he's very comfortable just grabbing the glass of a windshield and ripping it free. I mean, I, I think most people would worry about cuts or whatever, but not in the moment. I don't know if that's pure adrenaline. I know he used to play football. Yeah, it looks like he knew that his arm was not going to get cut by that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'd be. Oh, look at his arm, though. He did get his arm did get cut. His arm is, is bleeding. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, OK. That was crazy. Yeah. He, you, the, the fight. Oh, yeah. I can see it bleeding there. But you'd see these rescue guys rescue the firemen there, like offering him a job saying, hey, dude, uh, if you like doing this stuff, give us a call. Yeah, wild stuff. This happened in Sacramento. It happened uh, near the end of last week. That truck flipped over and uh, he just burst right in there. Amazing, amazing to see. That to me is a bigger deal than, you know, like what happened last night. What did you have? The Grammys? Did you know any of the artists yep. who were who were up for awards last night? Do your daughters listen to like Megan the Stallion? No, I, no, I, I, I know who Taylor Swift is, but oh. that's about it. <laughs> OK, I, mean, I, I know. I know who she is. I, I don't, you know, no. Uh, it wasn't Joey Ramone or anything, so. No, of course not. Well, here's one thing, though. Here's one thing when I was watching. I looked it up because um, there are three different awards, and the distinctions are a little hard to uh, are a little hard to gather just because they don't give much explanation. And the record of the year. So if you're wondering what record of the year is, that involves the people who actually craft the specific recording or the song. Song of the year recognizes the songwriters, and uh, the album of the year is everybody involved. So exciting stuff there. But you know what's also exciting? I just saw... Morning Brew posted that the TSA has announced that it screened 1.35 million people at airport checkpoint securities on Friday. This is the highest number of passengers since March of last year, since we shut it down. So, man, you know, spring in a lot of ways, especially with people coming back to life too, life in the form of just going to businesses, air travel. I wonder if business travel will come back too. I think it will be. It will it, it, eventually it, to some some level. I know a lot of people think that it won't come back that strong, but I, I think it will. Uh, people are, are antsy. Look at it. One point three million. That's awesome. One point three five million. Still way down, I imagine. But shoot fire. It's good to good to see start things start to happen. And what I see one in a, one in uh, one in four adults are, are vaccinated now. Yeah, you're amongst that, right? Congratulations over the weekend. You got, yeah. you got the jab. I've had the jab. We both got Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> we both got Spider-Man um, Band-Aids. I was going to call them tattoos. We got Spider-Man Band-Aids. And uh, yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, a little sore though, bro. Whew. Yeah, I would say that. So people have been curious. Everyone's been like texting me. What are the what are the after effects? What are the side effects? So far, just a, a short arm and the next day, 
slightly run down. Like I could have taken a nap, like I had a touch of something, but within 48 hours, I felt completely fine. Is your experience the same? Yeah, I, I can't. It's one of those. I can't tell if I'm, I'm convincing myself that I have a side effect or not. Right. It, it's kind of there, but not really. I don't know. I think I'm just convincing myself. To tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, hey, let, let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at newlegendinc.com. Let's hit the headlines. There we go. All right, this is a big investigative report, this first headline we're going to go through, and I highly implore you to go to FreightWaves.com and read Clarissa Hawes' reporting, because this is a pretty dense story, but, um, well, actually, sorry, well, let's do the DHL <laughs> Supply Chain Pricing Power Index first. You can also catch that at FreightWaves.com. Um, it's been an increasingly difficult year. We talked about that air travel, right, where uh, you had a year of offline since March of last year, and what they mean by this, these, these comps are because last year was a significant black swan event that looking at data from... 2021 in our in the context of our DHL pricing power index is really not that helpful, but they're you know they're doing the best that they can given uh, given that knowledge. Right now we're looking at an 80, so still in favor of the carriers. That's where we were last week. It's been strong. We break this down in the What the Truck newsletter. If you follow that, it's out on Tuesdays. Freightwaves.com/wtt. Uh, we reported that. 331 spot rate that we're out at the national dry van spot rate inclusive of fuel. It was at 332 the week before. Well, uh, tomorrow in the newsletter, we'll cover where it's out now. If you're not familiar with the DHL supply chain pricing power index, it uses various indexes within sonar to give you a clear view picture of the market and who the pricing power lies with. 100 being fully in favor of the carriers, zero fully in favor of the shippers. What else is going on in the market? It's great. So I don't know how much stronger it can really get, Dooner. I mean, we look at this and, and, and 80 is, is unbelievable. And we were thinking it was going to come down a while back, but it, it's not. And at 75, what is it? 75, three months out or 70, uh, 75, still incredibly strong. You got, listen, you got the, the fiscal stimulus checks coming out. You've got uh, inventories are remain decimated. They're still down. The housing market is on fire, as we were discussing before that. Industrial economy is recovering. Uh we're passing new indices every day. They're passing new records, et cetera. We've got dogs and cats living in the streets. It's mayhem out there. Yeah. Uh, and the vaccinations, one in four Americans received their doses. It's still going crazy, dude. Yep. Yeah. And so we mentioned that spot rate, 331 inclusive of fuel, a national dry van spot rate. It fell a penny from the week before. We'll be curious to see. We'll find out tomorrow where it where the cards fall. I don't think we're going to see a big dip from there, and neither does this index. It doesn't seem to point at However, the freight intel team does believe that we are nearing the peak spot rates that were caused by that, um, by the mini cycle induced by the winter storms in Austin. Just amazing how much impact they've had and the echoes of that impact. Part of it has to do also with the West Coast poor crisis that's going on over there. We've talked about that a bit. I do have a little bit of good news there. There's only 22 ships at anchor yesterday, Michael Vincent. Well, that's nice. They're starting to get things uh, settled down or, or caught up and hopefully it'll happen. Because like we talked before, it's like it's. It's so intense out there and things are so backed up. Even the littlest piece of energy out there just screws up the markets and makes them go crazy. So hopefully we can get things settled down a little bit. Yeah, here's that investigative report that I was talking about. A driver says his trucking company, uh, that a trucking company threatened his family after alleged illegal practices. And this is a wild story. This is on FreightWaves.com. Clarissa Oz wrote it. But a former car hauler said his family were forced into hiding after blowing the whistle on his trucking company's alleged illegal business practices, which he claimed including dispatchers filing false electronic logs. I feel like we covered a story about that just recently, right? In violation yeah. of the FMCSA. And also withholding pay and leveraging pay told him, as he would call it, hostage. 
Yeah, absolutely. They pushed him to his breaking point. Amstel Incorporated driver, uh, how do you, Syatslav Lekanov uh, told Freight Waves. I think I nailed that perfectly. He was he, he used washable red paint to write, warning, I need help stopping this company's crimes on the side of his uh, Ford F-350 and help on the back of his SUV. He was hauling behind it and parked his equipment in front of the Trump International uh, Hotel and Tower in downtown Chicago, uh, June 19, 2020. He then called the police. This is how scared this guy was. He wrote, he, he painted this all over the place, parked and then called the police. I found myself in a hopeless situation, like Conoff told Freight Waves. I felt threatened if I complained about driving sleepy because the Chebenenkos said if I refused to drive, they would fire me and not give me my salary, which they had kept from me for three months. My family and I were kicked out of our room, which was also deducted from my pay. You know, and Michael Vincent, this sounds almost like a human trafficking story. This family yeah. came here from Russia, I believe it was, right before the pandemic. His wife gave birth and then they couldn't fly back to Russia. So he's been stuck here trying to make ends meet. And that's when he saw a YouTube video from this uh, this company. Who is it? The Chebenakov company. And um, I, according to him, they're running these shady practices. When he brought it up to them in a internal Facebook group, he said that managers from the company showed hand, displayed handguns at him. So I don't know what that's all about. Um, he said after police arrived, you know, that message you were talking about that he put up in yeah. front of the Trump hotel. Well, cops arrived. They gave the vehicle back because I guess some employee from the this company had followed him to this rest stop he was at and they were trying to rough him up. Even at that point, the police put him up in a hotel and now he's he's trying to get out of this. Uh, this really, really tough situation. Like we said, deep, deep story. Go to FreightWaves.com and read the full thing. One other thing you'll find on FreightWaves.com today, too, that caught my eye was Nicola Tormentor Hindenburg, researcher, open fire on Lordstown Motors. And this is a great article by Alan Adler, and he's talking about this new short seller report that's come out, and it's picking apart everything that's happening over at Lordstown Motors. A lot of that had been prompted by one of their partners, Workhorse, losing that postal contract. What was inside the report? Yeah, so the Hindenburg report on Lordstown said that customers who reserved hundreds of trucks uh, from LMC, Lordstown, have no intention of buying them and were never told they had to take delivery. So that claiming that was a sham. The LMC is a mirage that paid outside consultants to pad the order numbers to increase investor confidence. Founder Steve Burns used unethical and deceptive business practices and untested components to make the electrical, uh, com- the electric commercial pickup um, called the Endurance. And the report raises questions about how much technology the company actually has, as the Hindenburg did at Nikola. Um, it's it cites specific of the lawsuit alleged LMC stole at least some intellectual property and poached employees from another uh, EV startup. So uh, pre-scathing. Yeah, Burns, he says that he told the Wall Street Journal that it is full of half-truths and lies, similar to what Nicolette said. So we'll see where that one goes. The the stock has been tanking ever since this came out. Similar situation to what happened with Nicola. Stay tuned to FreightWaves.com for all of your freight breaking news. But now I want to invite a a great guest on here. It's Carlos Medina. He's the president of Spill Bully, and they are coming up with eco-friendly solutions for waste within the supply chain and spills and all of those kind of things. Carlos, it's an honor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dooner, Michael Vincent. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys very much. I like what you guys are doing. Hey, we, we got awesome. ha- to wish happy birthday to uh, your shop dog, Maya, too. We always appreciate a good pet on there. I know that she's celebrating, what, 14 years of greatness. That's a tremendous 14 run. years. That is correct. That's a great call. Yeah. No, you know what? Out of all the things that I posted on my LinkedIn, that's the one thing that I got the most love on. So um, and, uh, it was great. She's 14 years old. I found her since she was four weeks old. 
So, uh, you know what? She's still hanging and joining the journey in our little small business out here in California. Yeah, you guys are in beautiful Oceanside, California. I've been through the area. Beautiful, beautiful area. Is yeah. that kind of what inspires this eco-friendly Michigan? When you get beaches like that over in San Diego, you don't want to see them ruined. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, on top of that, we're also, you know, in probably the most strict environmentally compliant state in the whole country, which is California. So, you know, we try to do our best to protect our waterways, things of that nature. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's been a long journey, but, you know, I appreciate you guys bringing us on here. Um, you know, the one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, coming here and, and talking to you guys a little bit is about the, the, the environmental responsibility of freight. You know, I want to kind of get your takes on it as well. You know, it's a lot of people think it's mainly cost of fuel emissions, you know, things of that nature. But there's a lot of other freight components that uh, that that are part of the environmental responsibility. So I wanted to bring that to light to you guys and see if, uh, you know, we could go ahead and ask some of your audience on some of the technology that we have. Yeah. No, we absolutely need to do that, my friend. And, uh, you know, we often talk about the regulations that happen in uh, California and how what a pain it is. But. Uh, you know, from the rest of the rest of the country's perspective. But uh, these things really drive things forward and make this happen. So and so kudos to you for doing this stuff and and, and agree with your mission and trying to help the environment and, and clean things up. And it is much more than just fuel. Tell us about the Spill Bully. What is it? So so, so Spill Bully started um, about uh, five years ago, you know, and all in the mission of being able to improve environmental practices, not only in manufacturing facilities, but also in the transportation of hazardous materials. Um, along this journey, we realized that most of the time when people see spills when it comes to freight, it's usually a big tanker in the ocean, Exxon Valdez, something like that. You know, that's usually what ends up getting most of the traction via news. But there's a lot of spills that happen along the freight process when, you know, you're leaving something from the port, you know, not only consumer goods, you know, but if milk spills out of the back of your truck, you know, that also slows down the process of getting to its endpoint. So basically being able to create a supply chain management system of environmental process that's going to be able to help out not only the freight, but the end user, but also the people that are using to clean up these hazards, you know, hydraulic leaks, oil spills, fuel tank spills, things of that nature that happen along the way when it goes to bringing your product from point A to point B. Now, Carlos, um, you... So most of the products that we have are sustainable. Yes, yes, Duner. Well, you sent me some of the products, so I'm familiar with them, but for the audience who may not be, what are some of these products? What do they, what do, they do? What do they look like? So new age absorbents, something as simple as cleanup, nothing very glamorous, but most people are used to kitty litter, right? I haven't met anybody yet in this industry that says, I absolutely love kitty litter. Um, it's something that's been used over and over again for many, many years. Um, and uh, we've brought to light new age products. Um, we sourced out technology all throughout the um, we use basalt fiber, lava rock to clean up oil spills. Um, you know, we have uh, a paper-based product made out of post-consumer waste that is actually a great replacement for kitty litter. Um, it takes away a lot of those adverse health effects like crystalline silica, all that dust. Um, I'm sure you guys have used kitty litter before, um, but it's also in a process of increasing sustainability, minimizing waste, improving cost and efficiency. Um, for a lot of these products all throughout the board. So it's a process of education as far as what Spill Bully's mission is doing. And you guys are definitely helping out. So I appreciate that. Yeah, excellent stuff. I'm very familiar with uh, kitty litter and its use on a dock and uh, around the uh, the line haul uh, yards, et cetera. So you have all these products and stuff. How's the acceptance gone? How are you guys growing? Is it are people catching on? Are they, are they digging this product? 
You know what? It, it, it's, it's a process of innovation, um, you know, and, and education is the first thing that needs to be implemented when you're trying to kind of change the game a little bit, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we have this big push of sustainability, especially now with COVID, everything happening. Um, you know, I think the, the environmental protection has been brought back to light to a certain extent. The air quality is getting cleaner, things of that nature. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's as being able to get feedback, our feedback's good. Our customer retention is great. It's just a matter of being able to capture the masses so that we could go and continue the spill bully movement on being able to educate and show people that there's other ways of being able to implement these um, uh, safety standards. You know, one of the things that we say is our fleet spill kit for your truck is your cheapest insurance policy that you could have on, on your actual truck, because it's going to get you back on the road and being able to protect that hydraulic fuel line that gets, you know, cut along the way or your fuel tank starts leaking. We got to protect our waterways. And that's one of the ways that we do it. Keep oil off the road. So it's not that slick, you know, don't just leave it there, go in and clean it up. So we provide the tool to be able to do that. What's the hardest part about growing the business that you didn't anticipate when you when you joined the company a few years ago and you and you started pushing these things out? Is it that market awareness? Is it spreading that education about the the product and its use case? Yeah, absolutely. It's a market awareness, and and it's also it's the the, the the people that are actually paying for the product. Most of the time, you know, it's purchasing education. You know, um, you know, purchasing agents that are out there. You know, they're great at their job, but most of them haven't actually used the products themselves. You know, they look at the bottom line, they look at it, you know, so for instance, uh, one of our bags of absorbent, you know, it'll cost $12, but it'll absorb eight gallons of oil. You know, then you're going to go grab a bag of kitty litter that essentially absorbs, you know, two, two gallons at the most, but now you need to use four of those and it's ultimately going to double the cost because now you're increasing the amount of product that you have to use for that same application. And for the most part, it also causes a downhill, a downstream cost, which is the cost of disposal. So most people don't see that. So the overall management of waste from cradle to grave is something that a lot of these people don't take into account. And it's the education side of it. You know, I mean, you know, I'm 37 years old coming into this industry of, you know, some of the big guys that are out there, you know, they've been doing it for, for a while. So we're, we're not just trying to do a hit and run here and go ahead and just kind of get something new and innovative and move forward. We're trying to change a culture and that takes time. It certainly does. And, and you know, this is a it's, it's interesting when you're growing your own business, there's a lot of, of things that are rewarding, you know, I mean, hitting specific milestones, et cetera. What is more rewarding to you seeing this grow or changing the mindset of that person who's looking at just the bottom line and, and, and getting them to realize just how they can impact the environment and moving forward, kind of changing that ideology? You know, that, that, the, the, the second part of that is, is what I like, because I know that if we're, if we're able to create more of those types of ambassadors with our movement, um, you know, the, the business growth is going to come. The growth, the innovation, you know, and there's a lot of other things that we have in the pipeline that we'd like to create within um, the, the environmental industry. Um, you know, we have replacements for 55-gallon drums to improve logistics, you know, for solid waste, you know, things of that nature. And I could go and talk forever. I know that I got a small allocated the time here, but you know, in the sense of just kind of being able to bring our mission to light, we want to improve environmental practices, but also do improve environmental practices with our customers, with the people, with that person, that technician that's actually using the products every day and take their their information into account rather than trying to just sell based on price most of the time. So and then that's that's the other balance, you know. 
Yeah, no. Hey, Carlos, beautiful. We, we love it, man. How do people reach out? How do they connect with you? And how do they take a look at these Spill Bully products? You know what? They could go online, visit us at uh, SpillBully.com. Uh, more importantly, we would love to talk to the customers. So you can feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. Um, you know, all my information's on there. Email me. Um, or just send me a, a direct message on LinkedIn. Um, that's usually the platform that I use the most. But um, more importantly, just trying to go ahead and educate the the, the country um, and really do appreciate you guys having me on. Um, we'd love to talk to you guys a little bit more. This is actually my first time on any kind of a podcast platform, so I'm yeah. glad it was with 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 uh, with you, Duner and Michael Vincent. Really appreciate you guys. Hey, a little cowbell for that one, man. Thank you so much for uh, oh, so much for coming on. We appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate that. Hey, take it easy. Hey, thank you guys so much. And uh, keep on. Will do. Hey, Michael Vincent, he's like, um, you know, him and the ice melt guys. It's like, who's your biggest competitor? Uh, Johnny Cat. <laughs> you know, because of the whole litter component. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Interesting oh, stuff, man. though. No, I, I like his story, though. I like his story. I like the product. Their, their quality. They sent us some samples ourselves. I, you know, I haven't been able to put it under a semi truck yet. But, um, you know, I've, I've used it in my garage here over at my building, and I look forward to using it at my uh, my new home when I move in there at the end of the month. Yep. So that'll be fun. There you go. Hey, our next guest is Richard Sharpies, operations specialist at, I like this one, Big Tech's Delivery Services. Hey, uh, Richard Sharp, thank you for joining us. You are one of those guys who reached out when I put up that comeback story post talking about the circuitous routes that we take to end up here in logistics and then the uh, success we found within. So thanks for coming and sharing your story with us. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, so we, we mentioned that. What is your outlet? Tell us about your background a little bit. What is this comeback story? Well, uh, I actually spent 15 years in the mortgage services industry. And then uh, due to a pending merger, had to wind down my groups and just kind of find myself uh, looking for a new home. And uh, wound up kind of returning to roots in a certain way. But uh, eventually found a place here at Big Tech's Delivery Service that's a hot shot for great company based in Houston that's been around for 51 years now. And uh, we run everything from trucks to 18 wheelers. And as an operations specialist, we wear many hats. Some days I'm on the forklift, some days I'm dispatch. A lot of times it's entering orders, resolving customer issues. It's, it's neat being part of a small organization because you get to play a lot of different roles. That's awesome, Richard. So you, when you're, you're winding down your group there, your mortgage group, and uh, uh, w- did you just always want to play with trucks when you grew up? And, and so you, you made the switch to, uh, to this or, or what, what, was, what was the motivation to pick this industry to go to? Well, I'm a transportation nerd. I love aviation and uh, love trucks. Uh, unloaded trucks while I was going to flight school and uh, just in some ways, it's just kind of a return home. My father-in-law was a heavy haul trucker. Uh, one of his first trials was to put me in the rig and have me hook up to his uh, to his little boy there. So that was first day meeting. And anyway, so it's just a it's just a return to something I love. I mean, if you're whether you're keeping track of mortgage files or keeping track of jet engines or keeping track of you know pallets of wood, it's it's all making sure the customer gets what they need when they need it. Yeah. We, you know, we have student listeners and we have people who listen who are, who are just curious. And that's kind of the point of this comeback segment too, is to engage them and and let them understand that this can be a great career path. What has the learning curve been like joining um, operations in freight versus mortgages? Well, it's some of it's just the same. Really it comes down to taking care of people. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in. It's taking care of people and following through on your word. If you say you're going to deliver somewhere on time, be there. 
If there's an issue, resolve it. Be honest with your customer. If there's a hangup, communicate, communicate, communicate. And if you do those, if you put those pieces together, it'll it'll all work out and you, you find the success. And of course, it's, you know, people and relationships. That's where the value is. Yeah, you know, it, to me, it was that puzzle every day. You know, it was a, a, absolutely a new thing that happens. Is that is that something that you carried over from uh, the mortgage services into freight? Because it, you're just moving stuff from A to B in its simplest form, right? You pick it up here, you deliver it there. But so much changes that no two deliveries are the exact are the exact same, right? That's the fun of it. It's a it's a new challenge every day, and that is the joy and the fun of it. <laughs> Hey, tell us, yeah. little, tell us a little bit about Be A Bear and the Houston Food Bank. Uh, we love to highlight people who are doing community involvement and those kind of things as well. And I saw those were noted on uh, on your LinkedIn. Tell us what you're doing with that. Uh, okay. Well, Food Bank is it's a good thing to be involved with. That's sort of the, a large organization here in Houston that helps meet people's needs. And they provide plenty of volunteer opportunities. But I'm so glad you brought up Bear. Uh, Bear is a group that helps uh, children that are being under the care of CPS or Child Protective Services. And actually, when I was with that mortgage company, CPS moved in to the other end of the building. And Bear provides basically kind of a mini store where the agents can come and get the socks, the underwear, the shoes, snacks. I mean, a lot of times when they're pulling these kids out of situations, it's very rough. And they may not even have a backpack to carry stuff out with. So Bear is a be a resource for uh, CPS kids, and it is just a fantastic organization and has a big impact here in the Houston area. Wow, that's awesome! You know, there's so many people in the transportation industry, and many across many different industries. But uh, being part of this industry for uh, over 30 years, it astounds me how many people are so involved in their communities and want to give back. But the stories really come back to, you know. Richard, what do you get out of doing that, right? I mean, you get it what the kids are getting out of it. You feel you want to be helpful and do those things, but you take some lessons out of there, right? Right. Well, really, it's just, it's the joy of giving. It's putting the good karma out there in the world. There's already so much negativity that if you can do even something that brings a little bit of joy to people, then that really is our purpose. And, you know, you can tie that to freight, getting the stuff there on time. They, some of these people, especially with container getting going on, they've been waiting for their freight for months. And so getting it picked up a day early, delivering a day early means the world to them because then they can give that win, pass it along to their customers. So, you know, it's just fun all the way around and you try to give back, you know. Speaking of freight getting there quick, what have you learned about Hot Shot Freight? We haven't talked to a Hot Shot guy in a hot minute here. So what have you learned over the past year about what is Hot Shot Freight and, and what have you learned about it? Well, I like that it's, you know, sometimes it's last minute. And, you know, like I said, it's the variety of loads. Sometimes it's, hey, can you take these documents across town? Sure. Hey, can you take this jet engine up to Dallas? Yes. <laughs> And, you know, our dispatch team works together hand in hand. And sometimes you're shuffling drivers around. You're, you're trying to get them across town or wherever they need to be. And uh, it's just fun. It's like a, the ultimate game of Tetris <laughs> to a certain degree, trying to get all the loads and trucks matched up and the hazmat drivers and just everything you need to uh, get done at the end of the day, getting it done. And it's just really neat to see the team at work. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's interesting. So this past year, which was 
um, you know, just a boring normal year in freight was was your first year. Yeah. <laughs> baptism, by, baptism by fire, my friend. So how, how, how was that? How, how was that learning in the middle of this craziness? You had to have some seriously hotshot had been a huge deal. I know in the beginning there was a lot of hotshot carriers and, and people who were pivoting for the, the market or the vertical that they served, right? Because things were shutting down and changing and stuff like that. How hectic was that for you? Uh, very hectic. I mean, it's, you know, we certainly saw some of the slowdown as businesses were adapting and what have you. Uh, but then it just came back like a wildfire. And, you know, we're blessed to be a company that's been in business now 51 years and had that established customer base and those established relationships. But if last year showed you anything, you can't rest on those relationships. Mm -hmm. You can't just, you've got to remain active. You've got to reach out to people. It's one of the things I love about LinkedIn, meeting new people, reaching out to people, building those relationships. And yes, it's led to, led to loads and led to freight opportunities too, but the real joy is just getting to connect with people. Uh, you know, I keep coming back to that theme. It's just something I'm passionate about. <laughs> well, Richard, people who want to connect with you or they want to use Big Text Delivery Services, where should we send them to? Uh, well, for orders and quote requests for Big Text Delivery, you just reach out to Big Text at BigTextDelivery.com. And uh, I'm a, active on LinkedIn, so feel free to reach out to me there. And I would love to connect with you, have a conversation. And just, uh, you know, like I said, relationships are fun and putting good karma out in the world is a great thing. And let's do it. Nice. The never dull Richard Sharp. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. There you guys. All right. Again, we would like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers and is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at newlegendinc.com. Good margins in that yeah. hotshot business, Michael Vincent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a very, very good margin. In a lot yeah. of ways, they're like couriers for for giant freight. I mean, he mentioned the documents, but most times when you're using Hotshot, you're like, like he mentioned, like, I need this turbine moved to three states over and I needed it yesterday. That's when you're calling those Hotshot guys. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, and when you start talking about you, when you're sitting at the airport, I don't know if you ever had, but we're waiting for a piece to come up from Atlanta or from here or whatever. That's the guy carrying it. Yeah. Hey, you know who's carrying a lot of freight? Mr. Worldwide, it's Guillermo Garcia. He's co-founder and CEO at SmartHop out of uh, Miami, Florida. Starting to become a, an epicenter of tech, right? All these expats going over there from San Francisco. Guillermo, what's up, man? Hey, how are you guys? How's, uh, how's Miami treating you, buddy? Uh, Miami's good. Weather is uh, amazing. And now a lot of uh, press around Miami. So now we're no longer that... Uh, uh, one week party city, but rather a place where people want to be and build businesses. Is it starting to be noticeable? Are you starting to notice the tech community grow bigger and bigger? I mean, I see like on VC Twitter, a lot of venture capitalists always talking about and pumping up Miami. Is it is are you starting to notice that as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, you see a lot of uh, VCs down here, but I'll say that the biggest thing so far has been that people now are taking other cities outside of San Francisco more seriously uh, in terms of building businesses, having the right talent, and even being cities that are more livable than so crowded uh, type of uh, cities. Hopefully this is to stay and not for the time being. 
and the ecosystem in cities like uh, Miami, Austin um, are here to to stay. But we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, I never thought thought I'd see the day, Dooner, uh, when uh, South Beach was was uh, the new Silicon Valley of of the United States. But apparently, it is. But Guillermo, is it true that just a couple of years ago you were delivering uh, pet food in uh, Venezuela? Yeah, uh, that was uh, one of the things that I did in my early days. I was a pet food delivery guy. I uh, used uh, uh, the garage of my father's um, home, uh, remove a bunch of old stuff that he had there. And meantime, I was uh, studying uh, in college. I delivered pet food to home. Now, when you're pulling that Johnny Cat, were the, was the idea, was the inception for Smart Hop starting to percolate in your brain? When did this come together? Because you're one of the co-founders. Yeah, I know. At that time, it was just me in college. Just wanted to uh, have my economical independence. So it, it didn't start there. I, uh, I did uh, fairly good uh, with that business. And I turned that business into an almost... 500 employee trucking company down in Venezuela. Fast forward, 2012 came to the US as an immigrant, no social security, no credit cards, and had to start all over again uh, what I knew how to do. And um, had my first uh, uh, pickup van in South Florida, start working for a couple of freight forwarders. And from that point on, I grew. Um, and bootstrap my company to almost uh, 50 trucks on my uh, balance sheet. And that's when really Smart Hub started. That's where I got the idea. And because of the struggles, uh, because of how few people um, supported me, uh, is because it was the real reason why I started Smart Hub. That is awesome. And hey, congratulations, Guillermo. In February, Dooner, SmartHop announced a close of $12 million Series A funding round led by Union Square Ventures and supported by uh, Rider Ventures and Equal Ventures and Graycroft as, as well. So congratulations, my yeah. friend. Uh, but it's, it's been a month, man. Money's in the bank. What are you investing in? Where are you taking this company? Yeah, we're very excited about uh, the people that are supporting, not only um, to us, because uh, we believe in what we are doing and the reason behind this company. And so um, uh, we now, with that money, we're focusing on building the right team uh, with the right set of uh, skills and uh, mission-driven type of uh, people that are here to build our product. So... Um, people, product, and growth are the three things that we're, we're focused in this quarter and the next for us to take the company to the next level. Now, you picked some good partners, and I imagine that's got to be crucially important for you. As you mentioned, you started the company, nobody believed in you. And when you're in that frame of mind, it can be easy to just you know kind of jump in bed with the first person willing to give you money. How did you exhibit the discipline to find the right partnerships for your Series A? <laughs> You you nailed it, right? I mean, we went through a process to really understand uh, who do we need it on, on our team. This We're taking this company all the way. Uh, so this is a marriage that we're going to have for years to come, right? So we had to really think about uh, what we needed, but who were the right partners. And the partners that really trust on our vision 
not only for the check, not only for what we can accomplish in the short term, but who could uh, accompany us in this journey. Uh, because uh, even if you think on outsiders of the freight industry, it's not easy to really understand um, our business, right? I mean, to understand the difference between a broker and a TMS and an ELD provider, right? I mean, for outsiders, it's hard to wrap their hand, heads around. And so we are very blessed to have uh, the investors that we have, but also the advisors and the mentors that are all around our company. That's excellent stuff. And so when you put all this together and you, you've got these these people that really want to get involved with what you're doing, and I, and I get that vetting them as well, $16.5 million, because in in July 2020, you picked up $4.5 million, also with Equal Ventures and Gray, uh, I'm sorry, Gray Croft, but also Los Olas VC was participating. It's It's excellent stuff. And obviously, there's buzz around what you guys are doing. What is the main uh, problem that Smart Hop is addressing? What's the main goal here? Yeah, the main goal is for us to be able to give small mom and pop corporations, small owner operators and fleets the access to economies of scale and the technology that they need to be successful and play uh, with uh, the big, large asset-based carriers with better capabilities. I didn't have them uh, when I was small. Uh, insurance didn't want to insure me, so I had to run under FedEx for a while to get into this industry. Uh, when you think about uh, uh, factoring, when you think about um, a lease, it's very hard, right? And so we want to be able uh, to provide with that scale, but also with the technology to control their top line and remain independent because truckers out there, they want to uh, remain independent. I was hearing the story about a driver that didn't get paid uh, for a couple of months that you guys were sharing just a couple of minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Well, that should not happen, right? Uh, they should be in control to decide who they want to work with, have the technology, be able to connect with the large brokers through APIs, and be able to have that relationship as if they were a large carrier. You know, one of the topics we talk about on here a lot are things like RPA, AI, um, autonomous. And one of the things you guys have going on is co-pilot. By the end of this decade, the autonomous space is going to look completely different than it does now. What is co-pilot and what is an autonomous dispatcher? Now, with co-pilot, what we have been developing for uh, years is to automate the decision-making process of when booking a load and managing a load, right? Uh, when you think about the spot market and long-haul type of operations, you have tens of thousands of loads out there being posted by freight brokers in silos, in different sites, apps, or marketplaces, right? So what we uh, developed uh, with great technology and really understanding the nuances of this industry is really deciding what's best at any given time, which broker, which load, at what price, which market should I go to? If I'm in the East Coast, should I head to the West because I understand what, how the market is going to move two or three days from now? And so it's in automating that decision-making process that we are helping that decision process 
for uh, the operators at this moment. Wow. Hey, Guillermo, we, we love it. I got to get you on Insider soon to get your full story, especially this, uh, you know, learning about this stuff in Venezuela, delivering the pet food, building a, what it was a 500 truck company in Venezuela and deciding to, uh, to go over to America. That's an amazing, amazing tale. I'll, I'll DM you about that one. But in the meantime, people who want to reach out, connect with you, where should we send them to? The best uh, way is to go uh, on our site, smarthop.co, and uh, you have all the contact information to reach us. Beautiful. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Have a great and powerful week, man. You too. Thank you for having me. Take it easy. Good stuff, Michael Vincent. Hey, I'm back in. It is good stuff. It is good stuff. We had him on before, and I love what I love what he's doing there. Kind of that back office for all the small guys. Let him play with the big guys. I love Guillermo. Yeah, yeah. He's. he's I got to get him on Insiders. I was just telling him about it. It'll be a good time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, absolutely. speaking of athletes, we have a lot of athletes. We have a lot of veterans on this show. We have a lot of founders. Today, we got a guy who uh, not only gives the perfect pitch in the boardroom. He used to throw a perfect pitch on the mound. It's Richie Daigle. He's enterprise account executive right here at home on Freight Waves. Richie, thanks for joining us today. Introduce yourself to our lovely What the Truck audience. Oh, you just did it for me. Uh, <laughs> Richie Daigle, Enterprise Sonar Account Executive here at Freight Waves. Uh, yeah, happy to be part of the team. Excited to be here and helping companies uh, you know, better their visibility and, and make better decisions. Are you going to pitch it forward with us? Can you show us a little hand positioning here on that baseball? How are we throwing a fastball? Ooh. I was a two-seam guy. Okay. So th- this is it. It's all about the thumb placement. Fingers on top. I didn't strike out many guys, but I broke a whole lot of baseball bats. And uh, I, I was the type of guy to throw inside quite a bit and just try to scare people, keep people a little off balance and uh, throw lots of stuff that doesn't go straight. Now you put a little pine tar on that um, on that scally cap you got on? <laughs> <laughs> if I would have been using pine tar, I probably wouldn't be here right now, dude. Uh, well, hey, so what is mine? So people who don't know, tell, tell Michael Vincent and I, because I've never pitched. a. I mean, I've played in Little League, but I've never pitched a baseball to the extent that pine tar would help me. I would need a lot of pine tar, maybe. Uh, but what does pine tar do for those who aren't familiar? Yeah. So any kind of doctoring with the baseball is going to allow you to put uh, friction on the ball and, and change the dynamics of the baseball in air. And you can make it move. Essentially, you're getting more movement. And late movement is the best type of movement. So you don't need a ball to move a huge amount of distance. You just need to need it to move, you know, a little bit more than a baseball bat when it's a few feet away from the plate. And if you can do that, then it's really hard to hit. <laughs> the hitter can see the ball going someplace, they swing and it's not there. And if you can do that in the strike zone consistently as a pitcher, uh, you're really good. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 there wasn't any movement needed when I was when I was swinging a bat, Richie, just the fact that the fact that it was moving towards me was usually good enough. (laughs) (laughs) But Hey, what you got any good tales from the mound, man? I mean, baseball players are full of all kinds of stuff, brother. They got all kinds of superstitions and all kinds of crazy stuff. Tell us a tale from the mound, brother. Oh man. I I know so many. Um, All right. So there, there's a guy on the team. He's a center fielder. And, uh, you know, he's got a big ego and, and, you know, kind of a loner. He thinks he's going to the show, but he's, I don't know if he's really that material. Um, anyways, there's a a long, deep fly ball hit and he's running for it, running for it, really fast guy. And he's got a good beat on it. And he runs smack into the outfield fence, bounces off the fence and is laying motionless on the warning track and the ball's right next to him. The runner's going, the, 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 
you know, right fielder or left fielder runs all the way out there, gets the ball, throws it in. Guy's got a stand-up triple. You know, Josh is still on the ground, not moving. And, uh, you know, the, the manager, the, the, the trainer, everyone's sprinting as fast as they can out to the, to the outfield to make sure he's alive. And they get out there, you know, and the trainer's like sliding down there to check and see if he's breathing. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you see the trainer pop up, like what? And then Josh stands up and just throws his glove down and he's just mad that he didn't catch the ball. He's not hurt. <laughs> he's just having a fit. He's on, on the ground and all upset <laughs> they didn't catch it. And it's like, listen, you ran six miles to get there. It's 420 in left center. It's amazing that you even got to the wall at the same time the ball did. That's incredible. Anyways, we were, we were just beside ourselves with this guy. So the next day we went out with some tape. And, uh, you know, we, we put like one of those crime scene body images like up <laughs> against the, the fence and just kind of taped the outline of a body of like where he imprinted himself on the fence. And uh, our manager, Rick Renneria, he comes out, he sees it and he goes, that's staying for the rest of the week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so for the rest of the games that week, uh, we, we had this big body image like just up on the fence. It was uh, It was funny for all of us that were there. I'm sure people in the stands were wondering what happened, but. So Richie, yeah. you kind of have you kind of have your own comeback story here. Like a lot of us, you were in a completely different possession, uh, completely different profession. You even uh, you even an awful job like I did, Aflac for a year. I hated that. Um, but you you end up okay. in you end up selling sonar now, right? Using data to give context and transparency to the market. What parallels did you take, and what did you learn in baseball that can apply to selling now? Aside from uh, our own George Abernathy running headfirst into the green monster at Fenway Park. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question, Dinner. Um, I remember being in spring training with Maddox, and I'm sure Maddox wouldn't remember me being in spring training with him, but I remember being in spring training with, with Greg Maddox. And, uh, you know, Maddox talked about pitching as if it was the most simple thing to do in the world. Uh, but one thing that, that, that came out of that was if you have a plan, you know how to implement a plan, and you can execute your plan, then the math of pitching is such that you will be successful, period. Um, and I think that if you have a plan in the sales arena and you know how to execute or know how to implement your plan and you're able to execute that plan, then you're going to be successful in sales too. And so part of like walking into any kind of sales role is understanding all those dynamics. Like what is my plan? What am I trying to achieve? What am I trying to do for other people? What's, what can the product do for other people? Uh, and then knowing how to implement, how to listen to, uh, you know, what someone's needs are and what they're, what they are trying to achieve as a company and where do they want to go and how do they want to grow um, and how do they want to get bigger and better and so forth. And, and knowing how your product can, can facilitate that and, and help them uh, and then being able to execute. Right. And so uh, that's, it's that trifecta. So I just tried to, to put that in play in any sort of, you know, sales position and grant everything's going to be a little bit different, but so far it's working. All right. Yeah. So Richie, in your current position right now, you're helping people with data and being able to benchmark and forecast and look into the freight markets and, and what is going on. And you had a blog talking about power to the players movement and, and talking about how, um, in the market game, the system is in, in, it can be gamed in ways so that, you know, your investments are, are almost risk free. And you liken that to the freight market, what you're doing there. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. You know, one thing and I'm new, I'm new to the freight industry, right? I'm, I'm a little over a year here at Freight Waves. And so, you know, part of what I'm 
bringing here is an outsider's perspective, but it seems like this industry historically has been kind of dominated by the major players. And, you know, before Sonar existed, uh, you know, the major players, the big, big brokerages, big, big carriers, et cetera, they had enough data internally to kind of understand generally what's happening across the country. But that allows big players, uh, you know, the, the environment to be such where they can, can, if they want, control the narrative. Uh, and control that narrative in a way that, you know, makes sure betters their probabilities of being successful. And so the competition's not exactly fair, if you will. It's kind of, I liken it to two baseball teams that are playing and the umpires are all coaches from one team, <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah, they're, they're obviously they have a bias here. Um, so now with, with a product like Sonar, you know, giving that kind of visibility, I feel like it allows for the smaller and mid-sized companies to take back control of the narrative or at least, you know, hold the larger companies at, you know, to accountable to, to what's going on uh, by being able to see, you know, what's happening in the market in real time. Uh, and so there's some objectivity that's, uh, that's presented to the marketplace that way. And I like to think of that being like umpires coming into play. <laughs> you may not always look what the umpire has to say, but it's an objective person most of the time, right? I yelled at a whole lot at umpires, but, you know, I can't imagine the game of baseball being played without it. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> hopefully that's a, some, some thoughts there. Hey, speaking of umpires, one of our umpires over here at Freight Waves is George Abernathy. And when he's not running into uh, the wall in the Green Monster in Fenway Park, he's asking questions in this Slack thread for you. And he wants, to, he wants you to tell us about what magic apple pie is. Does that mean anything to you? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I told a story with the sales folks where uh, I missed a train in Slovenia on, on a self-guided bike adventure. And uh, instead of waiting four or five hours for the next train, I decided I'm just going to get directions and ride my bike over this big mountaintop into Italy and, and figure it out. So it was a hundred mile ride. I like a 15 mile uh, climb and I'm coming down off of this mountain and I stop in a little bitty town and uh, go into a shop and the guy knows zero English, like doesn't know the words English, yes or no, or none of that. I mean, zilch, I mean, pure Slovenia. And uh, so I, everything is kind of rudimentary signs and pointing and I have money and I want something in here in the case. And so I pointed out what looked like apple pie and it was apple pie. And I was so famished at that point that uh, I think I got like half a pie and I just crushed it. It was the most amazing magical apple pie that, you know, in, in the world. And it got me the rest of the way into Italy to where I uh, settled into a restaurant and had quite a bit of wine at the end of the night. But yeah, I think that's what George is referring to in, in regards to magic apple pie. Now we have to have this Slovenian shopkeeper on the show next so we can tell his version of the story. And he'd be like, you know, this stupid American came in and he couldn't he couldn't say yes or no in Slovenian and he didn't know where he was. And he ended up eating an apple pie and walked out of here. It's a good tale. Hey, the funny thing is I stopped at another I stopped at another shop on the way and I went in and grabbed the Snickers bar and I was expecting the same thing. And I, and I went up and I said, do you speak English? And the guys like, yeah, come on. What do you need? Like no accent whatsoever. <laughs> it was an even smaller town. I mean, it's just so bizarre. But. Yeah, fun stories. <laughs> <laughs> now you remind me of like Kristoff and Frozen just showing up at like random shopkeeps in, in the middle of nowhere. Richie, we really appreciate you coming on. People want to reach out. They want more context to the freight market. They want to democratize it like you were talking about. They want some power to the players. How do they reach you? Yeah, yeah. Email is the best way. R Daigle, D A I. Uh, it, 
I think it's spelled incorrectly here, but that's fine. I won't judge anybody, but it's R-D-A-I-G-L-E at FreightWaves.com. Uh, that's where you can reach me. Happy to have conversations with you and, uh, and help you out any way that I can. Well, thank you. And uh, we appreciate your spell Thanks, check Rick. right there. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for pointing that out. As always. Thanks, thanks. Hey, Michael Vincent, what's the most uh, pie you've eaten in a single sit- sitting? Have you eaten an entire apple pie before? Most pie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was 16, I, I did one of those uh, uh, five-pound steak, pound potato, and, and salad challenges, and I, I crushed it. Oh, like in so, the yeah. like the great outdoors. Remember that, John King? <laughs> one of those deals where you eat as much as you can, you get the meal free? Yeah, but it wasn't mountain oysters like he was eating. That. Yeah, that would be kind of gross. All right, time for a little big yeah. deal, little deal. Ooh. Time for a little big deal, little deal. There we go. Big deal. Little deal. <laughs> yeah. Got to get the Regatron horns in there. Okay. Texas man drove his BMW, right? His BMW dealership loaner car to rob a bank. And he tried to use the money from robbing the bank to buy that BMW that he drove to, that he drove to the bank in. Is that a big deal or a little deal, Michael Vincent? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's actually a huge deal that somebody that that uh, that he he passed a driver's license test. Yeah, to, to to be able to drive that legally. I don't think he should be able to. So it's a crazy deal, but it's not that big a deal unless you really want to get into some people should not be driving because obviously that's not that smart. Well, he passed a note to the teller and it said, "This is a effing robbery. Play with me and die. I want ten thousand dollars in fifty and a hundred dollar bills now." You've got one minute or I'll kill you after he showed her that note. He said, I ain't playing around. I only want one hundreds and fifties. And then he immediately went back to that dealership and he tried to put three thousand dollars down in cash. He was yelling like, I got the money. Show me the money. And then the dealership. Was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he was like waving the cash around and pulled it out of, you know, like this this paper sack or whatever. And uh, somebody saw that and uh, somebody had called him, told him there was a local bank robbery. And he spotted him and said, hey, this guy is. uh Shouldn't be driving. Take away his driver's license. So yeah, now, now, <laughs> a so little you, deal, but hilarious. Story. Well, if you were like, if you were, if you were like a duplicious salesman, would you try and like hide this guy under the floorboards or something so you wouldn't lose your commission on the sale, or would you would you turn him over to the pope? I would probably try and close that deal real quick while the police were on their way. Man, that guy just uh, thought he had a day, seal. Sure. Here's another. Here's another seal, dude. Here's another big deal, my friend. Right. Toys are uh, are big deal, little deal. I'll let you decide, my friend. Yes, toys are us. Mm-hmm. It's been sold again, my friend, mm-hmm. and it has a new buyer. It's sold again, and it has a new buyer. Toys are us. Big deal, little deal, man. Uh, Trying to turn it around. I hope so, because, well, the last buyer didn't do much with it. You know, my, mm-hmm. my kids always miss Toys R Us, and there's one around here where you can still see, like, the old sunburn of the Toys R Us logo on it. I'm not sure they've even done anything with that location yet, but my kids go by every time, and they're like, man, I wish Toys R Us was back, because there's no real at least on a national level, there's no real like sort of dedicated toy store kids can go in. Right. And for kids, that was super special. They'd be like, you know, you go to Target, they get a toy section. You go to Walmart, they have a toy section. That's fine. But mom and dad have to go look at like groceries or car parts or all that other junk. Where Toys R Us, it was your time. And I still remember that time as a kid. And I remember taking my kids through there to browse. So I miss it. And I would love to see Toys R Us or somebody come back in to play with it. They were trying to do a smart store with the Toys R Us footprint. I, this other company that had them. I don't know if that really took off or went anywhere. It doesn't sound like it did. But they also had a launch in a very challenging year last year. And if they didn't have like some super strong e-commerce presence, I mean, what are you going to do, Michael Vincent? Yeah, no, that's it. They were trying to do that change. I, I, I agree with you. I hope it works. I think it is a big deal because it shows the willingness to try and uh, 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 
to try and reinvent some of these stores, these old brick and mortar stores. And I think that's what they were trying to do last year, obviously. 700 stores, I think they still have active outside of the United States. So if they can figure out that e-commerce part, I think it's, I think, I think it's good. I think it's a, a fairly big deal. Yeah, I think there's a place for it. I mean, why don't they go to like Disney and Lego and those companies and kind of do what Best Buy did and let them showcase their wares? There's so much online purchasing mm-hmm. going on. I think that there's a way to do it if they get the right person in charge there and could reinvigorate this company. Or the next one. Speaking of reinvigorating, Sonar is always adding new things. Sonar SCI Lane Acuity Plus is out now. Is that a big deal or a little deal? I think it's a. I think it's a very big deal. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a number of people. I think Richie Daigle would would agree that it's a very big deal. You know, when you're when you're looking at this Lane Acuity Plus, you know, you're you're talking about you're, you're talking about uh, transportation procurement at, at top 500 companies, right? And and what Craig Craig Fuller said, and he, he's 100 uh, percent straight up honest and and straight up on on point with this is they look at three different things: their budget forecast accuracy, their service scores, and their primary tender acceptance is what they look at. And when you start taking the, the the information that is in this SCI Acuity uh, Lane Acuity Plus, you're talking about uh, uh, eighty million dollars in contracted rate freight uh, payments over the last four years, and all the data, the tender data on those lanes, and volatility on those lanes. Uh, so it's not only down, and you take all that information not only down to the lane, but by the competitive cohort of the, the specific types of shippers that are inside there, and you get this really strong ability to see. Uh, where the big volatility on these lanes are, not only in 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 cost, but in the tendered activity that's there. Is it going to be disrupted? Are you going to have service issues? Is there potential for pricing to go up? And so you can look at your your uh, your mix of freight in your lanes and really plan for what's going on and be able to avoid those hurdles and in, improve your bottom line in all three of those categories. Predicting yeah. what you're doing, controlling what you're doing, and benchmarking against competitive cohorts. Big, big deal. Yeah, Very so useful. Reach out to Richie Daigle. He can give you a demo and show you how all those uh, new uh, Lane Acuity Plus is working. It sounds really cool. Now, here is one more bonus one. You've now been on the show oh. for a full year, and you've hosted 120 episodes of this show. I'll answer this one. It's a huge deal. You've uh, really helped level up this show. The show's really taken off since you've joined it. Speaking of things like sonar, you understand the data behind all of this stuff. Not to mention, you help make this the most informed desk in freight between the two of us. There's like 40 years of operational and sales freight history, or maybe even 50 years. Who's got a stronger desk than that? I don't know anybody. No, I don't think they do. No, and you're right. It's 50 years plus, although we'd like to think it was a little <laughs> bit less than that. But I think it's a huge deal too, man. My honor every day working with you, uh, a Dooner, and I learned something every day. Didn't think I would ever be sitting in this position, let alone make it for a year with with the great uh, Dooner. But I, I love it, and I love all the uh, connecting with everybody and, and talk with everybody every day. It's awesome. A little cowbell for that one, man. It's been, it's been an excellent time. By the way, guys, you want to see us in person? We want to see you. F3, November 8th to 10th. It's the biggest deal in freight. It's the first live event in forever and the first badass live event for sure that's happened since the pandemic start. We, if you've been to a Freightways event, you know, especially a live event, you know that we're always trying to top each other. We're always trying to one-up each other. Live.freightways.com. Get tickets. We'll see you there because everybody's going to be there. So if you're not there, you're no Buddy, ha <laughs> Timothy Dooner at Timothy Dooner on Twitter at Vincent the Dude. We'll catch you Wednesday, right, Michael Vincent? Peace and love.